the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. They're glad to see God God coming to judge the earth. They're not afraid of it. It's true for us. We've been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And all of our sins have been blotted out through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we don't fear God's judgment. All of our sin was already judged on the cross. So we don't, we don't fear the return of the Lord or the judgment of the Lord. We're not afraid of that because we know we have the righteousness of Christ. And we've been reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus. Believers have been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we do not fear the Lord's return. As Pastor Dan reminds us in the message today, Jesus will come as a judge. But we need not fear judgment because all of our sins have already been judged on the cross. We have been made perfect in His sight. We are already blameless and holy because our debt has been paid. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Will you stand unafraid at the coming judgment of the Lord? Accept Him and be saved. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 33, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Chapter 33 is a warning against Assyria. Again, Assyria is the superpower of the world. They're threatening all of the nations there in the Middle East region. They're expanding aggressively their kingdom, their empire. And it says to Assyria, verse 1, Woe to you who plunder though you have not been plundered, and you who deal treacherously, though they have not dealt treacherously with you. When you cease plundering, you will be plundered. When you make an end of dealing treacherously, they will deal treacherously with you. Uh, And and here the Lord says, you know, Assyria has plundered all the other nations in that region. They've dealt treacherously with all the nations they've conquered. And it seemed like Assyria was unstoppable, but the Lord says Assyria will be stopped. And the Lord will stop them. And the Lord will judge them. And they will be plundered, just like they plundered other nations. And they will be dealt with treacherously by others, just as they have done to other nations. God will deal with Assyria the same way Assyria has dealt with others. That's the principle. And you see the very same principle in the New Testament, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus talked about, judge not lest you be judged. And he goes on to talk about the, you know, the way that you judge others, that's the way you will be judged. 
Elsewhere, he talks about forgiveness in the same way. You know, the way that we forgive others is the way that God will forgive us. And so if we are unwilling to forgive others, God will be unwilling to forgive us. But if we graciously forgive others, God will graciously forgive us. And and we're commanded in the New Testament to forgive others for Christ's sake, because God, for Christ's sake, forgave us, right? Even though we didn't deserve it, God forgave us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see here that, that God will deal with Assyria the same way Assyria has dealt with other nations, and in and, and much the same way in the New Testament, God deals with us the way that we treat others. In verse 2, we have, we have the prayer of the people of Judah. O Lord, be gracious to us. Look what it says. We have waited for you. Be their arm every morning. Our salvation also in the time of trouble. They, they asked God to be gracious to them. They, they, they said, we have waited for you. Uh, Judah was, was scheming and planning and trying to come up with all these ways to get them out of the, the situation they were in. And they went down to Egypt and they, they bought horses off of Egypt and they came up with this plan that they were going to trust in Egypt instead of trusting in the Lord. And the Lord all along was warning them, saying, it's not going to work. Egypt isn't going to save you. Your plan's going to fail. It's not going to work out, you know. Well, finally, we see now in chapter 33, now they're no longer trusting in Egypt. They're no longer trusting in their plans and their schemes to save them. They're, they're looking to the Lord, finally. And they even say, we have waited for you. <laughs> but not really. They're waiting for the Lord now. And they, they have arrived at the place where they're waiting on the Lord to save them. Much like we do, right? A lot of times we face a crisis, we face an emergency, and we start panicking and freaking out, and we try everything we can to fix the situation, and once everything fails, then okay, we'll wait on the Lord. We'll pray, and we'll wait for the Lord to save us. Well, that's, that's what Judah does. Now they're waiting on the Lord. He says, be their arm every morning. <laughs> We've waited for you. We're looking for, for your strong arm to save us. Well, they, they weren't two chapters ago, but they are now. They're waiting for the Lord's strong arm to save them. Verse 3 says, At the noise of the tumult, the people shall flee. When you lift yourself up, the nations shall be scattered. Their confidence is in the Lord now. And your plunder shall be gathered like the gathering of the caterpillar as the running to and fro of locusts, he shall run up upon them. You know, God, they're looking to God to just wipe out the Assyrians like locusts wipe out a, a crop. You know, they just descend upon it and devour it, and it's gone. And in fact, God does wipe out the Assyrians, much like that. If you remember the story in 2 Kings chapter 19, uh, 185,000 Assyrian troops are camped outside the wall of Jerusalem. And God sends an angel into the camp at night and kills all 185,000 of them. And the people of Jerusalem wake up the next day, they look out over the wall, and there's just all these corpses laying out there. Uh, And so the Lord did save the people of Jerusalem, much like is described here, like just locusts descending upon them and destroying them. And so the Lord is exalted, verse 5, for He dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. 
wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. You know, the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God will be our stability, they say. You know, the fear of the Lord, that's what we, that's what he treasures, it says. The Lord treasures that. Surely their valiant ones shall cry outside. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. Verse 8. The highways lie waste. The traveling man ceases. He has broken the covenant. He has despised the cities. He regards no man. The earth mourns and languishes. Lebanon is shamed and shriveled. Sharon, the plain of Sharon, is like a wilderness. It's like a desert. Uh, the plain of Sharon is very lush and green. They do a lot of agriculture there. And Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. And, and here, here you see just the devastation brought on by Assyria. Everything is just destroyed. You know, the land is laid waste. And everything that Israel tried up to this point has failed. And now they're waiting upon the Lord. And now after everything is just kind of wiped out, it says in verse 10, now I will rise, says the Lord. Now I will be exalted. Now I will lift myself up. You shall conceive chaff. You shall bring forth stubble. Your breath as fire shall devour you. Verse 12, and the people shall be like the burning of lime. Like thorns cut up, they shall be burned in the fire. Hear you who are afar off what I have done, and you who are near acknowledge my might. In verse 10, the Lord waits, and he waits until all of the options of Judah have been exhausted, until they have tried everything that they're going to try, and every scheme and every plan that they have could think of to get themselves out of the situation they were in with Assyria. And once they finally kind of came to the end of themselves and decided to wait upon the Lord instead of trying to fix it in their own strength, then in verse 10, the Lord says, okay, now I'll rise. And that's often how it is. It's often how it is. You know, the Lord will let us, you know, strive in our flesh and strive in our own ability and try and work angles or do whatever to, to try to fix the situation we're in. And, and it's not until we, we quit trying to fix it in our own strength, in our own ability, and we just stop and we just say, okay, Lord, I'm at the end. I've got no other options here. I've got no other things I can try. All I've got now, Lord, is, is your grace and your mercy. And then once we kind of get to the end, then the Lord says, okay, I'll rise now. But quite often he'll wait until we kind of get it all out of our system and work through it. He's not going to force his way into our circumstances and force us to let him rescue us. He lets us just kind of work it all out and get it all out of our system. And he waits for us to be still and simply look to him by faith and wait upon him. And then, all right, I'll rise now. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. 
But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. There's so many examples in the Bible. Think about Gideon, for example, with his army and how God whittled that army down to 300 men. So that Gideon's only choice really was to just trust in the Lord to deliver them. He couldn't trust in his army. It was too small. And he wasn't going to boast in his army if they got the victory. And they did get the victory because he knew that there's no way they were going to get a victory with just 300 men unless the Lord does it. You think of Jacob in the Old Testament and how, how Jacob, you know, there's several times where Jacob tries to wheel and deal with God and make a bargain with God. And then finally, you have that story where God gets Jacob alone and he wrestles with Jacob. And Jacob wrestles with God all night. It says until God touches his hip, until God, you know, makes him lame. And then Jacob starts saying, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he put Jacob in a situation where he he had to make Jacob lame so that Jacob would realize, God's all I got now. And he's saying, I'm not going to let you go now until you bless me because you're all I got. And he clings to the Lord because the Lord was all that he had. And there's just story after story in the Bible of of the Lord just kind of waiting for people to come to the end of themselves so that he can then work on their behalf. And that's what he does here. He, he, just, he just waits till Judah just stops everything they're trying, and then he begins to work. Verse 11 to 13 uh, is describing God's judgment. You shall conceive chaff, you shall bring forth stubble, your breath as fire shall devour you, and the people shall be like the burnings of lime, like thorns cut up, they shall be burned in the fire. Here you who are afar off, what I have done, and you who are near, acknowledge my might. You know, he's describing uh, the enemies of God as chaff. Uh, chaff burns very, very quickly, and the judgment is going to be very quick upon them. Verse 14, the sinners of Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Speaking of God's judgment, who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? The the sinners, the the people who uh, have no intention of repenting, they're just going to continue in their sin. He says the sinners here, they're afraid of God's judgment, and they should be. But in contrast, verse 15, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He who despises the gain of oppression, despises those who who find gain through oppression, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed 
and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. The righteous person, the person who maintains his godliness and holiness, keeps himself from being defiled. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given to him. His water will be sure. He's not going to have to worry about water. So the righteous person doesn't fear God's judgment. The person who walks rightly with the Lord and and lives a, a, a holy life, they're not worried about God's judgment. They're glad to see God, God coming to judge the earth. They're not afraid of it. That's true for us. We've been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And all of our sins have been blotted out through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we don't fear God's judgment. All of our sin was already judged on the cross. So we don't, we don't fear the return of the Lord or the judgment of the Lord. We're not afraid of that because we know we have the righteousness of Christ. And we've been reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus. Verse 17. He's talking about the righteous here. In verse 17, he says, Your eyes will see the King in His beauty. They will see the land that is very far off. Remember in Hebrews 11, it talks about how you know, the Old Testament saints were looking for a land. They were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. They're waiting for this land. They had no certain dwelling place here in this world. He says here, one day your eyes will see the King, Jesus Christ, in His beauty and all of His splendor, all of His majesty. And we'll see that land. We'll see heaven where Christ dwells one day. With your eyes, we'll see Him. And then it says, verse 18, this is kind of interesting, your heart will meditate on terror. Where is the scribe? Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? It's, it's speaking here of when we see the king in all of his beauty, when we see Jesus face to face, he says your heart will meditate on terror. The idea here with verse 18 is you'll, you'll think back to the time of terror. And he's speaking here to the people of Judah. He's saying, you're going to think back to how afraid you were of the Assyrians and all the things you thought would happen to them, to happen to you at the hands of the Assyrians, and none of it happens. And the Lord protected you. and The Lord defended you. And when you're on the other side of it and you see the king and his beauty, you'll think back to those things that once terrified you. And he goes on here in verse 19. You will not see a fierce people, a people of obscure speech beyond perception of a stammering tongue that you cannot understand. Speaking of the Assyrians here, you're not going to see them in the city. They're not going to come into Jerusalem. The Lord's going to defend you. The Lord's going to protect you. You know, it talks about when we see our King Jesus in heaven, It says there'll be no more sorrow and there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more death. The former things will pass away and He'll make everything new. All of the former things will all pass away. He'll make everything new. He says in verse 20, Look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feasts, 
your eyes will see Jerusalem as a quiet home, a tabernacle that will not be taken down. He's looking ahead now again. He's looking ahead to the kingdom age. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a quiet home, a tabernacle that will not be taken down. Not one of its stakes will ever be removed. He's not talking about their day. He's talking about the kingdom age. Not one of its stakes will ever be removed, nor will any of its cords be broken. But there, the majestic Lord will be for us in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the kingdom age. It will be a place of broad rivers and streams. Ezekiel 47 talks about a stream, a river, coming out from the throne of the temple. Flowing down. It flows down to the Dead Sea and it brings life back to the Dead Sea and the kingdom age. A place of broad rivers and streams in which no galley with oars will sail. No majestic ships pass by. Look at verse 22. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king, and He will save us. Your tackle is loosed. They could not strengthen their mass. They could not spread the sail. You, you don't have to worry about your enemies. Then the prey of great plunder is divided. The lame take the prey. And the inhabitant will not say, I am sick. And the people who dwell in it, in Jerusalem, will be forgiven of their iniquity. What a wonderful verse. What hope that the Lord gives them in the midst of all their fear, setting their eyes upon the kingdom to come setting their eyes upon the future and not on their circumstances, the day when their sins will be forgiven. You know, David, David writes, happy is the man whose sins are covered, whose transgressions are forgiven. And one day it tells us in Revelation 21, at the end of the book, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and he shall be their God. That's the promise to us. That's the promise that the Lord was making to the people in Isaiah's day, that one day His kingdom will be established and He will dwell with them and He will be in their midst and He will be their judge. He will be their lawgiver. He will be their king and He will save them and their eyes will see their king and all of His splendor, all of His majesty and He'll wipe away every tear. He asked me how I know, and I say, rings truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. 
For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah, right here on Ring of Truth. Rings truer than the fine